Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We got a very special guest today, Miami native artist, uh, Cuban, Alexander Maharis. How's it going, buddy? Good, good. And yourself? I'm, I'm living the dream. Is that one of your pieces behind you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, let's yeah. uh, let's jump right in. Tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about your background, about yourself, how you got to where you are today, um, and then we'll we'll carry on from there. So I was born and raised in Miami. Um, my family's from Cuba and Spain. A, I thought I wanted to be an attorney, and then I realized that, uh, you know, I had trouble finishing a magazine, so that probably wasn't the best, uh, you know, field for me, and uh, ended up doing like a business minor, like got my MBA, and then during MBA class, I started doodling in my books, and when I ended up moving into an apartment, I, uh, you know, I basically had enough to get an apartment and, and, and furnish it with a few pieces. I realized I had no art or any money left for art. So I ended up um, going to the store, buying a canvas, throwing it out on the floor and doing my first piece. And within two to three months, I had a style that was kind of recognizably mine. And within six months, I did my first show. We had like 1800 RCPs in 24 hours, sold out the show and the rest is history and that was back in 2000 end of 2011 into 2012. so you got a good decade under your belt now that's uh that's a long time yeah i um it was cool because you know i started off doing paintings then i got into learning how to do kind of like murals and street art and then i started asking myself what would it look like if i could walk behind my painting and that opened up a whole avenue of doing sculptures and then I got into doing bronze sculptures, metal sculptures, and now I travel around the world doing paintings, murals, uh, sculptures for, you know, underprivileged children to high-end homes all over the world. So uh, you say you said you thought to yourself, what would it look like if I could walk behind my painting? Do you mean you started thinking, uh, thinking three-dimensionally? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, when you look at a painting, I guess you see it in 2D. Mm. And I always thought, like, okay, if I painted a woman, you know, and I painted, you'd see the front side, what does the back side look like? Right, yeah. Or if I painted, you know, some just like an abstract-looking boat, you know, what would it look like on the other side? And the only way to do that is to go three-dimensional. It's mm, interesting. Um, where do you uh, – what do you find your – I mean, you've got a particular style, but where do you find your inspiration for that? Is it nature or, or something else? <clears throat> so – I travel a lot and when I used to travel a lot specifically as a kid you know I, I would always go to every time we would go anywhere you know let's say for instance Spain or Italy or I always loved finding what would be like the main like church or small little churches in the place and the reason being is that I loved seeing how you would have these structures that were so intense and done so many years ago and then you have these like just little pockets of either massive stained glass or these little, you know, windows where this light would come in and you would see all these colors on the floor. And as the clouds would move, it almost would make the stained glass feel like it was moving. And so I was always fascinated by the fact that you could, you could take so many little shapes. Um, and then when you step back, if you're close up, you see a bunch of little shapes. And as you step back, you see kind of the big picture. And so I kind of brought that into you know, my work where I loved, 
you know, the movement of people who do like, would do like, you know, quick graffiti or like street art, you know, some high movement stuff. And then I love the colors and shapes of stained glass that with the right lighting felt like the piece was kind of coming to life. And I took it one step further and basically said like, you know, everybody has their life journals, whether you write them down or you have them in your head. And I feel like a lot of my pieces are several stories, several pieces brought into that when you look close, I might tell you some little pieces, a certain story, but when you look back, you you get the whole picture as to, man, wow, okay, that's why Alex is the way he is, or that's why he did this, or because it wasn't just one scene, it was multiple stories or multiple inspirations or things that happened in his life that triggered this piece. So when you look up close, you see those stories, but when you get back, you see the overall picture. Yeah, that's interesting. A lot of... Uh... I know a lot of artists who do collections, but they're more anthology collections, which is to say they're not necessarily associated with each other. It's just like I had an idea yeah. and here's a spectrum of things I thought about it. But this, you're talking more about um, multiple pieces that tell one story, which is a different kind yeah. of thing, right? Yeah. And then the thing is that like, I tried to do like the collection, you know, so I've done like a series of, I did like these, these I did this ballerina sculpture, mm. for example. And then I did a bunch of dancers that was inspired. My mom was a ballerina for 20 years. And there's a lot of stories behind that good and bad, et cetera. And it kind of inspired a collection, but you know, every time I try to do a collection of more than one piece or two, I just, my ADD kicks in and I'm like, all right, you know, I did the first one. And like the other day I was like, I'm going to do a series of cars, mm. you know, cause you know, formula one's coming. Let's get into that. So I did one car, and it like sold right away and then i was like man like that guy wanted his piece right away so i couldn't even do it like you know show them all together and then i did the second one then i was like oh look <laughs> i'm gonna go do something else and then i you know I, I sometimes i'll come back but to me it's hard for me to do like a lot of people do do that they do a collection that way it's one thought you just kind of mm. do it a bunch of ways sometimes i'm feeling that and sometimes i'm not sometimes i get hit like a like a freight train with something else and it, it, it detours me completely and it takes me down that rabbit hole for maybe a couple of weeks to a couple of months. And then, you know, so it's hard for me to do that. So I like to just kind of be like, you know, here's my journal entry. Boom, let's do a painting. You know, let's just do that. And they all happen to feel like the same fingerprint, you know, as far as they all look like mine, whether I go real extreme or I stay with something that's kind of recognizably mine. You know, when you see them all together, you could definitely tell it was all done by the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certain people uh, that I follow, you're one of them, that have such a specific style that if I saw one of their pieces out in the wild, I would immediately know it was them. Like Louis uh, Carrion, for example. Uh, if yeah. I saw one of his pieces, I would immediately, because it's, it's, it's very specific what he does, right? Yeah. I mean, everything's a little different, but the style is very specific. I, I enjoy your stuff. It's very good. And you... Um, Tell me about, uh, so you, you grew up in Miami, but your which one of your parents is from Cuba? So my mother was from Cuba. Mm. She, uh, she left Cuba because of the revolution. Mm. You know, they were forced to get out, you know, held at gunpoint, all that good stuff. You know, they, uh, my, uh, my cousin was shot and killed. There's just, you know, there was, I mean, sorry, her cousin. Um, but there was just, you know, they, they, they had to go. <laughs> And, uh, you know, they had their land taken from them, all their jewelry, everything. And it was just a matter of either 
basically be killed or leave kind of mm-hmm. thing. And they, you know, they, they grabbed their stuff and they left. Luckily they were able to get a flight out. They didn't have to go by raft. Um, and that was one of the reasons why my mom was super pissed off when I told her I was going to Cuba because I went a few years ago because again, I wanted to see, you know, you can't really know where you're going if you haven't know where you've been. Like I wanted to know where my family had, you know, kind of come from and where, even though I used an open mind, I was able to see that the city was in shambles and I didn't stay in the, you know, the, the bougie hotels that everyone leaves there. They're like, Oh, Cuba's beautiful. No, no, no. Like I stayed in a hostel, like, um, like an Airbnb kind of thing, but like in the city that belonged to a local person, I went and saw my family, but yeah, that country is destroyed, like completely destroyed. Yeah. It's, Crazy uh, also. Yeah. Oh, communism is not exactly uh great i think we've proved, <laughs> the last hundred years has kind of proved that but yeah uh yeah. first generation uh cuban americans are so patriotic and so um they, they just have this like there's there's a sense of pride with uh european americans who have been here for a very long time maybe some of their families since the beginning of this country there's a pride mm-hmm. there because of you know our system of government and you know the way we've done things um but the cube the first generation cuban americans like the people your parents age for example your mother's age are some of the more patriotic people that i've run into because it's one thing to be proud of where you came from and where you are it's another thing entirely to to really appreciate it you know because you've seen the other side of the fence yeah Yeah, of course no i i definitely see that here and those were, you know, those were the guys that came here with their whole families, either if they were able to get an airplane or they sent their family and worked over there to raise more money to bring him back or they, they went on rafts, you know, like it, you, you gotta, it's gotta be pretty bad to send women and children and babies on floats with no motor or like rigged up diesel engines and a boat made of entirely of steel drums, you know, like it, it, <laughs> that tells you something, but What's crazy is those were the type of people that came here, my my grandfather, that generation, and mm. my mom, where they came here and they were the American dream. They came here and they worked their ass off to basically provide for their families and whatnot. And the problem is, is that now you have a lot of the cute people that are coming here, which the terminology is hecho por Fidel, basically means that they were created by Fidel Castro and his regime. So they come here and they don't want to do anything they're lazy they want to live off other people and it's it's just like a whole different animal whole different species of of cuban people now that are the ones that are coming now because they've been so brainwashed mm. you know you I, I went there and i worked with one of the orphanages over there and we've donated a ton of art supplies they found out and they try to basically chase us out of the country but while you're there in those schools you've got you know Che Guevara, you got uh, Fidel Castro. Their posters are everywhere. Like mm. someone would put like a Michael Jordan poster. You know, they're worshipped over there. And so they instill this mind mentality that, you know, y- you you basically, everyone is equal on this and, and, and you all basically are just part of the government. It's just, it's a disaster. A disaster what's going on over there. Yeah, it's interesting because um, that, that probably was, uh, Cuba's got a very rich, deep history, right? It's a very proud people, just like uh, a lot of Latin American countries and, and 
once the revolution started to happen, the identities of individuals started to get stripped away in, in the way that you're talking about. And it's a, it's a thing that's happened in a lot of authoritarian regimes over the years, but people who have felt like an individual who, you know, I mean, that's the beauty of the place you, you walk, you go to, into any neighborhood 60 or 70 years ago over there. And it's, it's, it's the same, but different, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and the people are good. I mean, I don't know, uh, uh fr from the audience's perspective, if you've been to places similar to that, like the, uh, Dominican and Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rico and stuff like that. Same, yep. same, but different, but the people are always very welcoming. It's not like, it's not like they don't, nobody ever makes you feel like an outsider in that way in those kind of cultures. And then all of a sudden, you know, and, that, and that's the beauty of it. That's also the resilience of it because it's so, that's such a deeply rooted sense of pride that actually has some substance to it. And then you start stripping away all of the individuality from people, you know what I mean? And say, Hey, you're, you're just, you're, you're Cuban, which means Cuba isn't the people and the culture, it's the state, right? Yeah. That's, uh, uh, that's not great. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy too, is that Cuba actually was seen back in like the forties and fifties as like, that was the place to be. That's where casinos started. Mm -hmm. That was like the fashion capital. Everyone dressed to the nines, you know? So it's like when you hear and you read all that backstory and you're like, man, like that would have been so cool to see. And now you go there and you have these, these buildings that, you know, from a mile away, they look beautiful, but you look inside the window and it's all deteriorated. It's mm. all falling down. It's rubble. It's, it's, it's a disaster what's going on over there. And I thought in my lifetime that I would get to see, or, you know, at a younger age, I would get to see it be rebuilt and repaired. And, 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 you know, the U S maybe came to the rescue over there and kind of helped it. Cause so many times we've been so close with it. And then it just boom. And it feels like we, we, we took one step forward and then took 50 steps back over there. Yeah. And you say, uh, you, you mentioned the phrase, I, I can't, uh, recall exactly what it was, but something to the effect of Q Castro created people. And okay. And, yeah. um, what is that? What is that like for you as somebody who's like, you, you grew up in a very different world than they did, obviously, but, uh, yeah. you grew up with a certain vision of what Cuba is or could be versus what, they do and how does that conversation go between the two of you well <clears throat> yeah what, like you know my grandfather and my mom you know they all have pictures and, and stories of how they grew up over there so yeah i was always told about all the beauty and the and the and the great things that happened or how it was and then what forced them to get out of the country in the fastest shape possible i mean i, I have stories of uh my mother was telling me where you know, my, they ran into my grandparents' house and they were forced to basically stuff all their jewelry inside of their panties, you know, so like they wouldn't just take all their stuff and wedding rings and, you know, and then they would put these guys in a line and shoot them in the head. Like, you know, so I, I have all these stories that was told to me, but like, yeah, I, I was never indoctrinated into, you know, like, yeah, let's go with the whole socialist communism type of thing. So when I went to Cuba and I talked to them, you know, everyone is super nice and no one really like, you know, they're just so they've been so used to that lifestyle of always just living that way. They didn't know because they're, they're let's say they were my age. They didn't know what it was before mm. and they don't know what it is after. They just know what it is now. And you talk to them and they're like, yeah, you know, like, you know, no big deal. This is cool. Everything is great. Like, you know, they they, they actually hype it up like this is the best place because that's all they that's all they ever do. So when I talk to people like that, yeah, it's definitely different. But when you tell 
you know, one of the older generations like my parents or their parents, hey, you know, let's go to Cuba. All of them get super pissed off because in their head, it's you're spending money over there and supporting a government that basically killed tons of people's family and forced people to jump on inflatable tubes and come across the ocean. Yeah, it's interesting that um, people like your mother and grandfather probably, well, not probably, they definitely at the time before the revolution had a deep sense of pride of what Cuba was, right? I mean, yeah, of course. And and they carried that with them when they came here, which is one of the things that makes Miami great, by the way, is just having that pocket of culture there. But um, then they had to escape because of the revolution. But people who are there now, as bad as it is with buildings, deteriorating and and the economy sucks and and you know civil liberties are not not exactly a thing they blindly support the authoritarian regime i wonder what that is is it just especially once they come here to the states right you're no longer uh uh, i guess under the yoke of all that bullshit but still they uh, is it like stockholm syndrome or what is that i i think it's still it's so ingrained in your head that you know that since a child you've been taught to think a certain way it's very hard for them to think otherwise um and that's why a lot of people use that phrase i was telling you Mm. because it's just a whole different way of thinking it's not like you know i was telling you you know a lot of these kids when they first came they came here they opened up businesses like half of my dad's friends you know they never went to college they all came from cuba stay here and they're all you know have fortune 500 companies like billion dollar companies like and they, they chase that American dream. A lot of them, come, the other ones come here now, they want everything to be handed out to them. They want, you know, those are the ones voting that, you know, the, the rich should pay more in taxes so they can live a free life, that they don't have to do anything. Um, it's just a, an entirely different way of thinking. And it's, it's upsetting because it almost gives Cubans a bad name, even though they were born and raised in Cuba, but they've just been so, like, I guess, I don't know if the word is indoctrinated, but they've just been so brainwashed, just like, you know, like these these, these guys that walk around with the bombs and they blow themselves up, like, mm-hmm. they've just been put in their head over and over and over, like, Americans are bad, or, they, like, you know, whatever it is, and, and don't support that, and go over there, and, and try to get more people to think like we do, it's just, yeah, it's, 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 it's it's weird to even comprehend it, or even talk with it. So you think that's something that the uh, uh, Cuban government, uh, Bermuda is, is intent on is sending people who believe what he believes from Cuba to America to try to what infiltrate the because that I mean that I understand why somebody might do that but that's not going to fucking work like these your, your, your family your family and and the offspring like you that came from those families there's no way they're going to be able to convince you that Cuba's is somehow good you know what I mean that's just not going to yeah, happen yeah, yeah I think I don't, I don't know if it's so much that he's sending people here because his whole thing is to keep everyone trapped there. That's mm. the reason, you know, the reason why, you know, they basically, you got to get on a raft to get out of there. Sure. Uh, or buy your way out of it by spending tens of thousands of dollars to pay the government so you can buy a lottery ticket to get yourself out. So most of the people they do that are here, they want to get out. They don't like that lifestyle or they've had family that's been there that has kind of, taught them hey this is how it was this is what's going on and some of them can kind of see through the bs but there's a lot of people there that their families never let's say never left the u.s that they're so brainwashed into that way of thinking but by the time they get here 
yeah, I feel like the ones that are here, they wanted to get out because they want to escape communism. But they're, I feel like they're, <clears throat> their mentality as far as like come here for the American dream is not like it was, you know, for people who came 30 to 40 years ago. They come here and it's they the, the way they would like, let's say, working over there, they try to do that here. And it's, it's almost like a, a kind of like lazy in a sense. Uh, but it's just not the same blood. But, you know, in reality, you have the kind of same thing going on here with a lot of, you know, I guess, I don't know if I, I'm in that category, but in a lot of the millennials these days here don't want to work. They want everything handed to them. They it's And if they work, you know, a little bit and it's hard, they, they give up, you know. So I feel like that whole also worth ethic, maybe it's not just a Cuba thing, maybe it's just across the board, but in the last 20 to 15, 20 years, you know, you, you, there's a lot of that younger generation that wants everything handed to them. They don't want to pay for school. They don't want to pay for this. They don't want a job. They don't want, you know, their responsibilities. And I feel like we're heading that way. And unless parents start to kind of change that in either both Cuba and here, it's not going to look good for the next few years. Yeah, it's very bizarre to me to see. Um, I mean, maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago before the Internet was widely popular and in, in social media and stuff like that for somebody to uh for like a white pacific northwesterner to openly pine for things like uh socialism and communism you know what i mean when you can just go yeah. out you can go literally ask people who have lived under that shit and ask them how it worked out for them you know what i mean um yeah but it, it's that's all very bizarre to me that that we've not um and look, like you said, maybe it's just the effect of uh, the turning generations and stuff. People, we got too comfortable or something. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that, really. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's so bizarre to me because there seems to be this disconnect between effort and and expectation. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like we don't we don't we don't see, and you see it in all facets of life: diet, uh, uh, <clears throat> education, fitness, um, business, whatever, life in general. But um, it is very bizarre to me that there are literally people that are who who have just escaped that shit who are coming here to tell you like please don't do that here and then people mm -hmm. are it's just like a it's a weird level of ignorant arrogance. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so I, I hear some of the stuff that goes on today, like, and I look at social media and and I and. You know, because the thing is, 99% of my business is all through social media. So I'm on it a lot because I need to either promote my art. Like to me, my social media platform, I use it as a thing to promote helping others in need. I find I use it as a way to, you know, grow my business and sell art. And, you know, just to for, for show a little bit of my lifestyle. That way people can kind of feel like they get to know who the artist is. And, um, but man, sometimes I go down the rabbit hole looking at some stuff and I'm just like, how did we get here? How did we get to this place? Like if you, you know, especially like in Miami, you see it because you have, like I said, you have all these people that, you know, left Cuba because of this type of thing that they're trying to do here. And it's like, how can that be put in your head and how people think like that? I mean, look at all this stuff going on right now, for example, with like the whole Budweiser thing. Mm. You know, like, how did that, how did we get here? <laughs> like, like, it's like, wow, man. Like, you know, and, 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 
and for me, like I, I have a two-year-old or turns two this week. I start, I'm thinking to myself, like, how am I going to raise this kid to not be shoved down this stuff down in like his throat in school or do anything like, you know, and, and, and I feel like it's getting easier because there's so many parents out there, let's say that have kids, they're obsessed with work. And then when they're not working, they're on their phones or, you know, not paying attention to their kids. Their kids are being raised by nannies. And those nannies come from countries that a lot of them, you know, they think like, hey, socialism and all this stuff is great. Mm. You know, that's, and it's sad. You know, I go to the park every single day with my son. I make it a point to leave work and I take him for at least two to three hours, take him to the park outside, no phones, nothing, no iPads, just scratch your knees on the floor, get dirty, you know, play. And I see these other kids that it's the same kids every day at the park. Their parents are nowhere to be found. Mm. Their nannies are there on their phones talking to who knows from their country. Like, and it's just like, listen, I have nannies. That's great. But you, you have to be there raising your kid. You have to, like, I get there and I tell them I'm teaching my son, Hey, listen, share with this kid, mm. you know, of all races, like, you know, do this, like play here. Like, and, and you see, these 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 other kids like they just they're being raised by someone who doesn't care about telling them do this share be be a kind person like and you can see that it's just it's, it's an entirely different way of parenting these days and I think that's where things are going wrong kids parents are I think less involved in their kids life now and more involved in showing a lifestyle on social media of a perfect life and then the ones that you know who are I guess focused on really raising their kids there. It's like frowned upon, like, Oh, you don't give your kids an iPad. You don't do this. Like mm. it's, it's just like a whole, I, I don't know where we got off the tracks and, and, and even with the whole race thing, you know, like we, we, I, I mean, I live in Florida and, or I call it Miami. Miami to me is a different state. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I don't remember ever in, I mean, places like Alabama, okay, I get it. But I don't remember places like here having so many issues with race and all the stuff that's been going on. So, like, I try to grasp what's going on with, you know, the socialism and the communism in Cuba with what's going on here in the U.S. And, and, and all this. And it's just, it's insane because I can't even figure it out for myself or what I, I how I'm going to teach or protect my son's mine from this kind of stuff because it's gotten crazy yeah it's it's certainly uh gone completely off the deep end especially with kids i don't understand yeah. uh, i mean i guess i do from a if you want to consider it this way from a marketing perspective the earlier you can get inside somebody's head the the more effective your message is going to be whether it's yeah. legitimate or not which is um that that shows how nefarious the message is frankly in my opinion but yeah um, yeah it's it's Raising children, people using electronics uh, to raise children seems, it seemed at the time, I mean, we, I think our generation to some degree suffered from the latchkey syndrome, which is like both parents are working. So we're kind of, we're at home by ourselves a lot. Yeah. Um, and our interaction with other human beings is unmonitored and unsupervised. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we, um, there was, there, it was bifurcated. Like we did become a little bit selfish because of it, but we also learn to be a little more self-reliant than this current generation is. Um, but, mm -hmm. but now it's like the need for constant stimulus, electronic stimulus yeah. especially, has really warped our brains in a, in a bad way because not only do we require that constant electronic stimulus, 
but that's also how we project to the world now. We think we have to provide constant electronic stimulus as well, as you said about just, you know, posting on social media and letting everybody in the world know what we're up to and shit. No, I, why? Why do people need to know what you're up to, dude? Just go fucking do stuff. Go outside. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Which is interesting for somebody who works in media like myself to say, but this is what I do for a living. You know what I mean? I wouldn't recommend – this shit drains the life out of you. I would not recommend living – if if I didn't do this particular kind of work. Before I did this, I did not – fuck around on social media very much um because yeah. it just I, I didn't see the value in it to be honest but um you know now it is it, it when you have that that dichotomy where you're both consuming a lot of electronic information and then feeling like you need to posture uh, in the electronic mediums, it, it changes the way your fucking brain works. It changes the, it changes your values. Actually, it changes what you find yeah. important. And I think that's really, uh, really problematic, especially with children. Like we've got to do a better job of this stuff. No, I, I agree. But yeah, you know, back to what you were saying, like, yeah, I, I, I tell my dad all the time, you know, I was like, if I wasn't selling or using art as, I mean, social media as my platform to be like my global gallery, I'd probably never be on it just because I, I do notice that when I do turn off my phone or spend time with my son, where it's two to three hours of no cell phone, just me and him, I feel like I'm in a better place. I'm in a happier place. But then I also feel like kind of God gave me this a voice now as an artist to, you know, not only just, yeah, sell art. That's great. But I use my power to help others and also create awareness and whatnot. So I'm sure like, yeah, you probably weren't on social media before, but then your podcast probably grew where now it's like your responsibility is to be here and be yourself up so you can actually educate others as to, you know, what the heck's going on. And if it's just maybe one person a week or one person a month, it's one more person that, you know, is kind of being brought back to the old days of, of thinking, you know, which was, get outside, get on your bike, you know, get off the damn screens and live your life and, and not be controlled, but be told what to think. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy. So it's, it's great that you're doing something like this as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's all right. I, I, I do, I do enjoy the part where I get to interact with other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like we do a lot of live events and stuff like that and getting, being able to, and we have people stop by the studio a lot as well and hearing mm-hmm. from people that it's, useful for them is the only reason I continue doing it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's like, I, I'm just trying to think of, cause it wasn't like this when I was a kid, but I'm trying to think of the, how the, how your brain develops, how your social skills develop. If you're so addicted to constant stimulus like that, you know what I mean? Like there's no time to pause and think about what you're doing, to think about what you're saying, to think about how you might react. You know what I mean? You just yeah. have to, social media has turned everybody into a hot take machine. Like everybody's got hot takes on everything. It's like, Oh, here's what I think. Like, okay, do you really think that? Or do you read it somewhere and you're just posting it now? You know what I mean? And it, and it's from, from your perspective as a creative guy, that's got to suck, dude. I mean, it's one thing to get inspiration from stuff. And I think that's very valuable, but when you're inundated with stimulus like that all the time, most people don't turn that into creativity. They just parrot what they're seeing. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, <clears throat> I've had to, kind of distance myself sometimes yeah because sometimes I get a little bit overstimulated trying to you know just handle my business side of what's going on there because I'm 
you know, I, I, these algorithms are shoving all this stuff in my face. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, that's why one of the biggest things is when I travel, I try to like not really have my phone on or, or, or like with me is because I get more inspiration off actually talking with people, um, you know, going and seeing places, not, you know, just looking at everything online. Um, some of my best work has been where I've just been at a dinner table and I've just been talking with someone and, you know, we kind of spitballing ideas, phones are off and, and, you know, it triggers these ideas. And then I, I, I got to rush home and, <laughs> and uh, figure out a way to create it. But there is, there is, it's, it's, it's positive and negative. There's some positive, which is great because, you know, throughout the day now I can see artists work from all around the world because since I'm in the art field and that's what I look at, it kind of pushes me. So it's cool that I get to share the space with other creatives as well. And I, that's actually led to some collaborations in the past. So there are benefits if you know how to lead through it and actually use it for something like an inspiration or to meet and link with others. But yeah, the harmful one is where, you know, you're taking selfies all day long and it's all about you, 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 and how you can, or what you think people actually really want to hear about you. And, you know, if, if a lot of these people who have these massive followings actually use their, their platform to promote actually good stuff, as opposed to this is what I eat in a day, <laughs> uh, I feel like it would be uh, a lot more beneficial to, to people, uh, to their followers, you know? This episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran-operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, rounds, and delivery schedule anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. The best value you're going to get from Black Rifle Coffee is the coffee club. As again, you can choose the roast, whether you're like light, dark, or medium. You can choose the texture you can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean or if you use a curry and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wide uh, array of options for that get 20 percent off your first order with the code citizen so go to blackriflecoffee.com sign up for the coffee club use the code citizen and get 20 percent off your first order this episode of citizen is also brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros right now ghostbed is offering 40 percent off ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code DRINKINBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINBROS. If you get the uh, 40% off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months, that's five years. Uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you. works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for slash drink it, bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best. The mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there. 30% off everything. Use the code DRINKINBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINBROS. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. Who's planning to do some spring cleaning this year? Dust those hard-to-reach places, clean out that closet? You know the one. Here's my advice. Clean your house and then protect every inch of it with Simply Safe Home Security. I recommend it to everyone. 
Uh, it's the easiest thing I've ever set up. I got to be honest with you. A lot of these tech companies that that issue products like this, there's a barrier to entry. You're going to spend all day on YouTube trying to figure out how to set it up. You're not going to have this problem with Simply Safe. It is designed with cutting edge technology and backed by 24/7 professional monitoring. In an emergency, agents use fast protect technology only from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify that the threat is real, so you can get priority police dispatch, which also guarantees that there aren't false positive, which can be really annoying. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs under a dollar a day, less than half the price of traditional home security systems. You can lock and unlock your doors, access your cameras, arm and disarm them, arm and disarm the system, whatever you want uh, remotely. CNET named Simply Safe Editor's Choice for 2023. So you can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash citizen podcast. That's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash citizen podcast go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20 percent off your order with interactive monitoring that's simplysafe.com slash citizen podcast there is no safe like simply safe yeah for sure and it's uh you know we saw an example of this just mindless nonsense the other day that i don't know if you caught it on social media but some dummy went on a tour of auschwitz and on and was stand sitting on the train tracks um, and taking selfies of herself and shit. It's like, or I'm sorry, somebody was, yeah, her, her boyfriend was taking pictures of her, like posed in some Instagram thought pose or whatever the fuck. Yeah. It's like, you know, a lot of people died here, right? Like this isn't, this isn't for your vanity, you stupid bitch. Yeah. I, I don't like that. <laughs> people, people's brains are completely fucking warped right now. Um, but again, I think it is when I think about from the perspective of, of, the brain developing over time and your social skills and what you're, what you value as a human being. I think that stuff really messes you up. Like turning, yeah. it's like <clears throat> the word love, for example, you got a, you got an almost two year old to be a two this week. So I love you is one of the first phrases that a child learns because their parents just say it to them all the time, but they don't mm -hmm. have any academic understanding of what love is, what the word means. All they mm -hmm. know is that, that those that's a phrase that you and I exchange between each other and it means to them to the child I love you means whatever your behavior towards them is right so if your behavior towards them is to hand them an iPad and fuck off right or ignore them or to be cruel to them or if you're if you're you know a rude person or if you're a, a, a prejudiced person or something like that that's how they come to understand love when they are six, seven, eight years old, then a teenager, when they start to understand things and that stays with them for their entire lives. This concept yeah. of love, what it means to be loved comes from the first two or three years of a child's life and what the parent does to show them, not tell them, but what they do to show them what love mm -hmm. is. And now we have an entire generation who have been raised not as latchkey, but with constant stimulus from who knows what source, right? I mean, it could be good or bad in a lot of these cases. And I really think it's fucked the way people's brains work. Like they don't, do you, do you routinely see people like hold the door for each other or see garbage on the ground and reach over and pick it up because they care about what's going on around them? No, they just like, it, it, we're in the, we're in the era of self care. You know what I mean? Where everybody's concerned yeah. about taking care of themselves. And I'm not saying you should ignore yourself and walk around like, uh, Siddhartha Guatama and dirty clothes and shit like that to prove a point, <laughs> but you should, you should probably care about the people around you. And I, we're not teaching people to care about the people around them anymore. So it's no surprise why they would 
you know, uh, uh, get lured in by the state, by, by authoritarian leaders and shit like that. Yeah, that, there's actually a, a, a quote I have on my body. It says, uh, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. And that's one of the things that, you know, like like in, in, in all my businesses and whatnot, you know, one of the things, for example, um, we have a, I have a metal business when I'm not doing the, the art stuff. And, uh, you know, we got 60 something employees here and it's like a factory style, you know, burgers and whatnot. And, you know, when I first started working there, in order to kind of gain their respect, um, I could have just been there, you know, suit and tie and been like, do this, do this, do this. But I realized that, you know, that doesn't go very far. <laughs> um, so the first thing I did when I was kind of first day kind of out doing my stuff is I started mopping all the floors and sweeping all the floors and picking up all on, the, on my hands and knees. I had blood coming down, blood blisters all over my hands from picking up metal and cleaning and cleaning. And I did that for a period of about three to four weeks until the first person came up to me and grabbed the broom from my hands and said, hey, hey, let me help you. And then I realized that he now, me and him were on the same level. We were good to go. And But I had to bring myself off this pedestal that you know a lot of people are on to get down to the level of normal human beings when you're doing this kind of stuff. And then I kept doing it in another department. And then that guy started helping and that guy, before you knew it, all 60 something people were like, no, no, Alex, Alex, I got it. I got it. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. But, you know, I think that kind of goes along with also what's kind of going on, you know, in this society too, is a lot of people think that they're too good to do certain things or too good for certain jobs or, and, and they are, or they step all over people because they think that, Hey, you know what? I have fucking a million followers. Let me treat you like a pile of shit mm. because, <laughs> because what, <laughs> you know, you haven't really accomplished anything, but post pictures of yourself. So, you know, it, it, it's a shame that there's a lot of people out there that could be doing really good stuff for this planet, for people, for society. And instead, they use their platforms to just do complete opposite. And I think that a lot of them need to be brought down and, and need to get to that level, like you're saying, where if someone falls, you pick them up. If someone's walking behind you, you keep that door open. You know, the old school manners that everyone was taught as a kid. Now, you got kids watching TV shows where I saw uh, the other day, it was like on, a, on YouTube, it was a kid, we were watching Coco Melon, and then the show ended, it went to another one, and it was these two fucking dinosaurs talking about how it's two, there were two boy dinosaurs on how they wanted to have a baby. And it was just like, this is a show for two and three year olds. Like, I'm sorry, but you know what? The problem is, is that while the parents are on their phone eating shit in the background, these shows are playing just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> it's wild. It's yeah, wild. We, we fell asleep at the wheel. That's what happened. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and to the and you know what's crazy yeah, is that I, I noticed this the other day. There are certain kids that I, I see, and I'm, I'm bringing this up a lot because I've been really into this space now with my son and giving him the best life I can give him, but I also don't want him to be a robot. And so that's why I keep bringing these kind of things up. But I noticed that my son, who has been raised with basically no TV, no phone, no iPads, nothing, I noticed that he's more advanced in sports. He's more advanced in motor skills, so in, in dis 
discussion. He walks up to anyone, says hello, como estas, talks in Spanish, like knows two languages. And the kids that I see that live on computer screens, they get to the park and they're like huddled next to like the nanny's leg or, you know, like my son will come up to him and be like, hey, high five. And they, he just stare, they stare at them like with this blank stare of like, it's almost like if the kid doesn't have anyone to interact to, he doesn't have anyone to talk to. Or, you know, they might get a parent who wakes up and says, hey, good morning. I love you. I'm off to work. I'm out all day long. And then they come back to, hey, I love you. Good night. So their social skills are just out the door, you know, because all they do is listen, 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 listen. And then these days with the way people treat each other and the way they talk and and, and the yelling, it's like they disrespect. So like these kids are like they're growing up in broken homes, but they're not broken homes. Right. <laughs> Like, I feel like that's what's going on, and it's, it's, it's insane. So me and my wife made a pact that message comes in on our phone. If it's kind of during working hours or it's important, we walk away from where our son is to answer the message, blah, 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 put the phone back when we come in so he doesn't see us. Because for almost two weeks, I saw my son walking around like this with a, a plastic toy, hello, like mimicking me because I was taking a lot of calls uh, for some jobs I was doing, and, and, and I realized – this kid's watching me glued to my phone doing certain things. So I made it a point to stop. And the moment I stopped doing that and stopped putting TV, he started eating dinner without TV. He started, he started playing with his toys, playing with the basketball, the baseball, and not picking up objects and pretending like they were cell phones. And so it's, it's, it's still, there's, it's, it's crazy how they're like sponges, but you can reprogram them very quickly mm. as long as it's not too deep into their life. Yeah, and it's uh, it's the reality of what you're seeing is that it, that shit doesn't end when they graduate high school either. Like I, when I was in the military, I'm I'm in my mid twenties and I'm training dudes who are 17 to 19 years old who have never been away from their families before, and all of a sudden they've got money and alcohol and guns. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like it's like toddlers, but with booze and guns essentially. Yeah. And uh, they people people who respect you will do what you do. They they will listen to what you say, but ultimately they're going to do exactly what you do. And it's yeah. uh, that that's the essence of of leadership. Ch- children especially are going to follow you where you go. And you know what what you said about uh, service is one thing that I really hit on a lot in this show. I mean, it's um, <clears throat> a number of the principles that we operate by are things like promoting equality of opportunity to uh hold people accountable but to do something every day to help your country your countrymen or all men that's one of them right like you 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 can you can do these these things and everything the the reality of life is that every every important thing you ever do will be in the service of other people you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like you're not going to do anything important for yourself that's just not how life works and and look at look at the people who live that way and look at how you know unhappy and nihilistic they are um Leadership is about not about what you can do for yourself. It's about what you can do for other people. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. we seem to have we seem to have lost that that trait. Um, there's a uh, I don't remember who wrote this. I, I read it a long time ago. It's a it's a it's from the '70s. It's called "The Servant as a Leader." That's the name of the article. I can't remember who the guy's name, but um, I think that might be where the quote you have on your body came from originally. I think it's from his work, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. Um, <laughs> and 
it's like 29 pages, I think, if I remember correctly, 29 pages of just talking about how like people think of a leader as somebody who tells other people what to do, but that's not what it is. A leader is somebody who has either the resources or the power or the capability or whatever trait they have. They have the ability to influence and assist other people. That's what it really is, right? And yeah. that's a that's a great responsibility to have. And no and nowhere is it a larger responsibility than in raising children. Because that's like when we're all old and fucked up, that's who runs shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and, and yeah. besides that, just preparing the child for life. These these kids these days uh, are are just not prepared for life. I mean, think about what what you brought up the student loan thing earlier. Think about the presumption of somebody who takes out a loan and and says they shouldn't have to pay back because it's not fair anymore. And and maybe they're right to some degree that the loans were predatory. The degrees they were tricked into getting aren't necessarily useful, but (laughs) we all had that same, we, we all went through this same path, right? When I got out of high school, I had to make those choices myself as well. And I don't get to, you know, just go back and, and get assistance for, for my bad choices. We, we, but the, the, the issue is that we just didn't teach people to make good decisions. Yeah. Um, and I think one of your other points was really interesting. You talked about, and I've seen this as well with kids, uh, f- uh, kids of friends and uh, my, uh, my ex's kid, uh, just the constantly being on the screens interrupts their ability to have genuine social interactions with people like that you get super anxious one, because you're not used to having those conversations. Um, people are temperamental because they want everything right now and they want it to be what they want. I've, I've spent all this time curating exactly what I want to see and I'm getting it right now all the time. That's not a good, mm-hmm. that's, that's not a good <laughs> habit to be in. Right. No, it's horrible, horrible, horrible. So one of the other things that's happening and I think maybe, uh, you may notice this with some of your kids, friends and stuff. I don't know yet because you can, you can probably see the difference between him and some of these other kids, but the way our memory works, like now we can just look stuff up whenever we feel like it. So we, we, we know a lot more, but we don't understand anything. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, remember when you had to remember every phone number that was important, otherwise you just couldn't get in contact <laughs> with people. That's not a thing. anymore. I don't, I don't even know my wife's cell phone number. Yeah, I don't even. I have no idea what anybody's phone number is. I only. I literally only know my own phone number now, which is completely fucking useless, except for yeah. just to tell it to people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The way our Wild. memories, the way our brains operate, the way our memories operate are completely fucked now. Yeah, every everything definitely has changed. Like you said, yeah. You, now with the whole AI and you can look up anything, you don't have to do homework anymore. You have to like, I mean. It's crazy. Yeah, we used to have to memorize everything. Mm. And now you don't have to memorize anything. Everything is there one click away. Oh, what's this? Hold on, let me Google it. Hey, what's this? Let me Google it. I mean, like, yeah, you have so much. So everything is so easily accessible that, number one, you're not only, like, basically eliminating your main your brain power, mm. but you're also probably eliminating your wallet, too, because since everything is so accessible, I don't know about you, but, like, I feel like if I had to get batteries or something and be like, oh, shit, I got to get up and go to CVS and go get them. Mm. Like, yeah, I'll get them another day. Now I'm like, oh, batteries, ordered. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is just so easy that between that and then, and then the, the, what is it? You can fast food, uh, you can get Uber Eats McDonald's. Mm. Like 
you know, what, <laughs> how much faster do you need like to be? Yeah. It's wild. It's, and there's always, uh, I mean, you know, we, we grew up with this idea that parents job is to make their kids lives better, uh, than their lives were. And I think that's good, right? You want, you want to, your children to progress. You want to, them to be, uh, at a higher station, I guess, but we made yeah. some, we made some pretty critical errors there. We thought things being easier and safer were meant they were better intrinsically. And I, that, that, it's very clearly not true that that's the case, right? Like, I mean, no. and, and now there's a new, there's a new wave of this bullshit coming in now with uh, like Ozempic and shit. Everybody's going to stop working out entirely and start injecting shit into their bodies so they don't get fat. Like, you know, you <laughs> can just all, literally, this is what our research shows. 11 minutes a day. That's all you have to work out to, to be healthy and does not eat bullshit food. That's literally, it's, it's yeah. so, it's so minimal, but there's always a trade-off, right? We, we want to be, we don't want to be inconvenienced. We don't yeah. want to be in any kind of pain at all. Uh, and you know, look at what's happened from that. The pain thing led to an opioid epidemic in this country. People didn't want to feel any pain at all. When I was a child, and you go get your wisdom teeth taken out or something, they give you like four ibuprofen and tell you to get fucked. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then for a long period of time between the late 90s, I guess, and the and uh, about three or four years ago, they would just give you like a script for 30 Percocet because you got some teeth removed or something like that. Yeah. It's like, what the hell is going on here? But there's... Well, that's, it, that's the... Um, sorry to interrupt. So no. that, what you were saying with that is what's funny is that there's a whole generation of people out there who are seeking pain. You know, like that's why these the Spartan races and all that stuff have thousands and thousands of people doing it because, yeah, our brains were designed to want to get into that, into the, into the suck, you know, and, 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 and thrive in that. And that's why also these cold therapy, cold water therapy is skyrocketing through the roof is because people need that, that that they have to be put in a tough spot. They have to be put into pain in order to appreciate and, and get that euphoric or what's the, uh, the dopamine mm. hit of like, ah, I mean, this day and age, we don't carry anything. We don't carry our luggages. We don't carry our backpacks. Everything's on wheels. We don't, we roll our trash cans to this corner. Uh, <laughs> we live in such a, a, like, no one walks anywhere unless you live in like New York City, mm. and mm. it's crazy. You go to Europe and everyone's walking, everyone and walking everywhere. Every every people carry things. You see these ninety year old grandmothers walking up an incline hill with her fifteen groceries, and I'm there with like a backpack, huffing and puffing. She passes right by. <laughs> like it, it's it's we we. I think what happens is. We wanted things to get easier so fast that we forgot that our body requires a little bit of suck in order to appreciate things better. So, yeah, having a super comfortable couch makes you sit down and watch more TV. Mm. Having the ability to Uber Eats any type of food, that, you, now you, you don't walk there. You don't drive there. Like, I, 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 I was the first person that two years ago, three years ago, I would drive to my neighbor's house. You know, like now I make it a point where I get up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I need fruit. I'm going to go walk a mile or two to the food stand and come back. I'm going to, you know, I started taking my son. Now we walk outside. We walk, we walk, we walk because that's what we were meant to do. And that actually is what makes me feel so much better and keeps me healthy. Uh, but yeah, we definitely got into way too easy of a world where everything is at our fingertips and, and, and 
and yeah, we just, like you say, we're, we're, we're numb. Yeah. You know, it's either painkillers or opioids or, or something. And we just, we've killed out our whole trait uh, mentality. Yeah. And you know, I mean, so it's pervasive. It, it's in, this is, this point is true in every part of your life. If you take shortcuts, um, you're going to get places, but not where you want to go. You know what I mean? Um, and then it's the, it's the vacuum that happens in that gap between, um, effort and consequence that is the real problem. And, and, you know, think about it from a pain perspective, you either don't do stuff that causes you pain, whether it's, you know, mental or physical pain, and you suffer the consequences of that sedentary lifestyle or social awkwardness, or, uh, you do experience the pain, but you don't want to. So you get addicted to drugs or, you don't want to take the responsibilities around you in your community. So you end up with shitty fucking politician leaders. And uh, yeah. at, at the broader scale, at the national scale, which is uh, uh, true in Cuba, it's, it's true to some degree here as well. You find yourself um, trapped under some form of authoritarianism. I mean, do you think when everybody's going about their business and minding their own business, do you think it's good people who are like, you know what I should do is go control what that guy's doing? You know what I mean? That's not a good person that thinks that way. That's a, that's an asshole. No. That's a, that's a, an insecure authoritarian that's thinking that way. And the only way to inoculate society against that is for you to take part in your own governance. Plato said this 2,000 goddamn years ago. If you, if you do not participate in your own governance, you are doomed to be ruled by fools, right? This is, this is <laughs> wisdom that we've had for a very, very long time. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was actually something I read. It popped up on something the other day, and it said something like, based off of kind of what's going on these days, you know, it's like, listen, if you want to think a certain way in the privacy of your own home, that's all up to you, and that's great, and do whatever you want. But I don't have to think like that. And it's like, where it becomes a problem is, is where you want me to think what you want to do has to be your way, like my, my way of thinking. That's where it becomes a problem. And that's, I think, what we're living in today. If you see all this stuff going on with the government or either Republican or Democrat or, or the just lies across the board or transgender or race, all that crap, like, you want to think like that? Go right ahead, but don't shove it down my throat. If I don't believe, if I don't think the same way you do, like, I believe there's two genders. That's all I believe. And you're not going to change it otherwise. I don't believe men can have babies. <laughs> you know, like, and because I don't think like that, I have to tread lightly on my social media or what I say, because if I say something to trigger someone and, I, and, and they cancel me or they shut down my account, my whole livelihood, my whole business is basically gone because I have to like tiptoe around that kind of stuff. And it, that, to me, that's what, what drives me the most crazy is that I have so much to say and I, like, because I'm so angry that this stuff is being shoved down. Like I'm told, I mean, told how to think. And that was one of my reasons why I became an artist is that like, I don't do well with rules. Like, listen, I, I'm not, you know, I, I apply, I abide by the 10 commandments. I, I don't murder this. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, have affairs, things like that. Like, but you know, that that's, that's, those are my guidelines. Everything else I, I should be able to think how I want to think. And, you know, perfect example, let's say art, you go to an art school, or an art class, let's say, you paint outside the lines as a kid, you get an F in her class because you want to paint outside the line. Mm. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's even things like that that should be 
art should be or freedom of speech or anything along those lines. You should be able to speak or paint or talk about what you want. And there's a lot of times where I get so frustrated that I literally want to paint a middle finger and title it like, fuck you all, mm. you know, like stop. But if I do, then there's a possibility that one percent or more of a percentage of my, let's say, people who follow my work might be like, well, fuck this guy. So then now I'm I can't feed my son because these people are butthurt that I don't think the same way they do. <laughs> so I literally have to like go about just talking with people like yourself or like minded people. And we can come up with this like conclusions of what can we do to maybe help my own son or my my family because I can't go out there into the public and be like, this is how I think because people get all pissed off. And then, like I said, if I, I gotta, if I'm going to affect what like, you know, feeds my family, I have to, I have to kind of, I can push, but I can't push too much, especially in the world we live in today, which is sad. Mm. You know, as, as an artist, I should be able to speak my mind, do whatever I want. And it, you think about it, it's like, you look at uh, Pablo Picasso, one of the most, like, for example, look at all these sculptures and artists that all got canceled over the last, I don't know, two years and mm. statues being thrown down. And then you look at people like Pablo Picasso. Pablo Picasso was a communist. Yeah, He was part of the Communist Party. Like, he was there promoting, helping with, like, Nazis. It, like, it just... How is he okay? His art sells for millions of dollars. No one has an issue with that. <laughs> yeah. You can still buy Che Guevara shirts, even though he executed gay people on a regular basis. And that seems exactly. to be completely lost on the leftist. I don't, that, that's bizarre. It's very bizarre. So it, it, it's so wild. It's so wild how it, there's no right way to think. I mean, you just worry about yourself. Like I said, you got your declaration of, uh, I mean, you got your, your, you know, your U.S. laws and then you got your, biblical laws or whatever you believe in, you know, and there's certain ways to live. Live by those, great. And you want to do your thing, great. You want to be a dude and be a girl or whatever you want it is, great. Do your thing. But like shoving it down people's throat like Bud Light, Budweiser try to do, those type of things are fucking up our society so much that I literally like, I, I, I'm building a house right now and I have one TV in the entire house is where I, I'm putting a cable box. I'm even thinking about just putting up artwork there and just taking my TV off because it's insane. Like, if you either you're on social media and your TV and you watch like news, you 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 come out of there like, where the fuck did we go wrong? <laughs> yeah, there's uh, a comedian, Bill Hicks, back in the day, used to do a joke about that. He's like, if you turn on television, it's just war, fam, and death, AIDS, war, fam, and death, AIDS, and you walk outside yeah. and it's like, oh, the sun's up, it's crickets chirping. I don't know what the fuck everybody's talking about. You know what I mean? Not that there aren't bad things that happen, but you know. We do, we do seem to uh, to seek out that negativity for some reason. Now you've um, over the past couple of years, a lot of LA people have moved to Miami. I know that's true because yeah. I have some friends who have, and a lot of LA people have also moved to where I live, which is Austin. Um, the difference yeah. is, all those LA people moved to Miami, and then in the last election in uh, November of last year, Miami went red Republican for the first time as long as I've been alive, I think. Shit, I don't remember the last time Miami voted Republican, which is really yeah. – it's really interesting. Um, and you've been there your whole life. Have you noticed any sort of change around there? I mean, well, is it – some? I, I hear anecdotally that it is the 
uh, uh, like C- Cuban community in particular who have stepped up and gotten tired of all this woke yeah. bullshit that's going on. And that, that was a big part of it. Do you, do you have any insight on that? Well, what I would say is that in Miami, as far as, you know, lifestyle and culture, it seems the same. You know, you just have a lot more New Yorkers and Californians mm-hmm. who moved here. And it seems like those are the ones who moved here was for a specific reason. And it was to get away from the chaos in other places. Yeah. But myself, along with all my friends who are locals and live here, the first thing we do when we meet like New Yorkers or LA or, you know, we tell them, hey, listen, don't bring your problems over here. We voted a specific way over here. What it, what, the way you voted before over there didn't work for you, so don't switch our thing. But I think what we're having is also is that there is a giant Latino population here now, and it's growing and growing, and a lot of them are Cubans who they already saw this happen once. you know, And that's why when Bernie Sanders attempted his run, they were like, fuck no, because <laughs> that was about the closest thing you can do to you know, basically Fidel Castro. Mm. And I think they're had enough. And it's like, you know, it's like they live here now. Things are going well. We got low taxes. Everything is great. Businesses are thriving. Everyone and their mother wants to move here. Businesses, I say, you know, businesses are booming. The city is booming. Economics, everything. It's like, why ruin that? Why, why try to bring it back to technically almost like the damn Stone Age? Mm. You know, like if you look at what's going on, like look at the other day in Chicago and, 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 and the, the chaos that's happening in California, it's like, and then you have all the celebrities that are living there promoting those type of way of life. And it's like, yeah, you do that because you get your check no matter what. You're getting your millions of dollars to making your woke movies and all that stuff. But the people here, oh, no, 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 no. You should see, like, all the, the stores here, the beer, all that. No one's drinking Bud Light. No one's drinking Bud Light. It's You can see it. Like, people here really are... I think have been inspired or have seen what happened in Cuba and having a guy like Ron DeSantis who fought for us. And we saw it. I think one of the biggest things we saw it during COVID, we saw that, like I was the first person that thought that the president runs the country. Mm. I didn't realize that each governor basically can give you the middle finger to the president and say, Nope, we're doing it our way. And I think that's when a lot of people got their eyes open during COVID. Like, this state's free. Everyone's running around like nothing's going on. You, they, all the boats, like everyone was having boat parties. Everyone was on kayaks. Like I was the first one paddleboarding to this island, a party over there. Like everyone was having a grand old time, and they realized, like, okay, maybe it's a little bit more than just left or right. I think it has to do now with just freedom, freedom of speech, and I think that people got a taste for the first time ever of what people felt like in Cuba or in some of these countries. And they're like, I don't want that. So we're going to Florida. And what I've seen is that, yeah, a lot of people that did move here, they're all about just keeping it free, moving their businesses here for tax reasons, for just a better lifestyle. It's sunny. It's summer year round. Like (laughs) you can't really beat it. And as an artist, like, you know, one of the, I I used to have a couple of friends that they were always telling me, Alex, you got to move out of Miami. You got to move out of Miami. You got to move to New York. You know, you got to move to California. And now I'm looking at it, and you've got all these, like, huge corporations. You've got, like, Citadel moving, I think, 100,000 of their employees over here, buying, donating. I think the last, they just donated $100 million to the, the high school I went to to hold spots for all their kids. Like, so it's like all these guys that, let's say I would move to New York to go sell art to, are all moving back to my state. 
So my whole focus is now, let me just be the Miami artist. Mm. I don't need to be international. I'll stick to Miami. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so um, speaking of the art, you, you mentioned before you did uh, some of the stuff you do is uh, charitable with your art. Can you describe that? So, yeah. So when I started to grow my following and, and really be as respected as an artist, the first thing I thought to myself was, you know, when I was a kid in middle school, um, I got thrown out of my classrooms all the time. I literally lived outside the door on my own world. And they didn't have cell phones then. So I literally sat outside there and I just sat and literally stared at the floor. So my basic math and basic grammar for a very long time was horrible. Horrible because I never learned anything because the teachers didn't know how to teach. Because when I was in middle school, you know, learning disabilities and things like that really didn't exist. They weren't, they didn't even know, teachers didn't know what the hell to do with kids like that. Mm. So if I didn't know what was going on, <clears throat> where would I go? I would go into my comfort area, which is I would doodle in my books. So as I started to grow a name for myself, um, I had all these schools starting to reach out to me and ask me, hey, would you speak at our school? Or would you speak at, you know, career day? And I'm the first one saying, look, I'm going to, I'll speak but you're not going to like it. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. And I would go there and I'd be like, listen, kids, do, you know, if you want to be art, you want to do this, like you, you can't really listen to your teachers too much. You know, teachers will know so much. And that, that whole theory of those who can't teach applies to a lot of people. I'm not saying all teachers. I think teachers are great. I think there's a lot of people who are very good at teaching. But there's a lot of others that they're so one-track mind. And that's why my middle school experience was horrible because these teachers, they didn't know what to do with me. Instead of trying to work with me, the best thing to do was kick me out of the classroom because I was the distraction for the kids who wanted to learn. And I don't want that to happen to anyone else because there's a painting I did that says, I'm not, uh, I'm not dumb, you just don't get me. And so I made it a point to really focus on kids and giving back to kids and talking about how art, you know, like for example, a lot of you go to these underprivileged uh, areas and, you know, the first mentality is, you know, I want to be a basketball player. I want to be a football player to kind of get out the ghetto. And I tell you, know, and I would go there and be like, look, you know, I played all these different sports and art is what saved my life. Art got me out of the scene that I was at. Art, you know, gave me a, a business and, and art gave me the ability to talk to others and people actually want to listen that what came out of my mouth. So I made it a huge point to, because you can't get, I can't go across the whole spectrum. So I focus mm -hmm. on kids. So I'm constantly working with orphanages, constantly doing murals where like I, I, I do an outline and I have, you know, these inner city kids come and paint with me. And while we're drawing, we're talking about life, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm talking about, you know, they're talking about their families and I tell them, look, you know, though I, I, you know, I've had this and maybe I've had a little bit of privilege in, if you want to call it that, um, you know, I, no one handed me my art career. No one hand, like I worked really hard for that. Like galleries didn't want to work with me. They shit all over me. They were like, Oh, you know, this arts, art schools I try to get into. And they were like, no, you're not ready. And like, and everyone who there's tons of people, even my, my, my father was the first one to be like, Alex, you know, you, you got to focus on a, on a real business artist and a real career. And now he gets stopped on the street all the time. Oh, you're Alex's dad. <laughs> and he's super proud of that. You know? So like, I, t I tell these kids, like, look, you know, if you want something bad enough, whether you want to be a poet, you want to be a singer, you want to be a rapper, you want to be the guy who moves the knobs behind in the production, you know, like for, you know, producer for music or whatever the case may be, 
Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it. Anyone, your parents, your government, your schools, your teachers, do what brings you joy in your life. Even if it doesn't make you money, it will, and the other end, it'll make you happy. And in turn, for some odd reason, whenever you do what you really love, for some reason, you don't really have to worry about how to put food on your table because it kind of just goes hand in hand. You work really, really hard at something you love, suddenly money comes from it, whether it be sponsors or this or people buying your art or whatever the case may be, people want to be around people who are positive and chase their dreams. And that attracts other like-minded people. And then you can grow together. And that's how I took my art and my, and my voice and used it to kind of help those and give back because I didn't want to be a guy who was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I made millions of dollars selling art, but I don't give a shit about my community. I only work up where worry about myself. I stay in my own little space and I do my thing and I, and I flaunt everything I have. If you look at my social media, you can't tell when I drive. You don't know where I live. You don't see what I watch. I have on my wrist. You don't see any of that because to me, that's not important. I focus on showing moments, experiences, paddleboarding across countries to fundraise doing an Ironman to help, you know, uh, Sebastian Strong, like, you know, with the kids uh, for pediatric cancer research. Like, you know, I started my own foundation called um, Pediatric Angel Foundation, where we help, you know, kids in inner city. We help them with, you know, s swimming classes. We help them with just giving back to, always just giving back to the community. And I've always wanted to be where, like, uh, I, I heard this, this David uh, Goggins thing where he said, like, when I get to heaven, I want God to look at the list and be like, damn, you did way more than I thought or I had for you. And that's how I want to kind of live my life is that like use what I have for good and in turn affect people's lives that when I'm dead and gone, people will be talking about me like this guy stepped up to the plate. This guy didn't work with galleries because they kind of shit on him and he made a name for himself. He did, you know, he gave back to his community. He helped. He, you know, left his mark on the city of Miami. Like, you know, that those are all things that I want to have people. When they talk about me, they say this, 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 this. Not he was super selfish. He was into himself. He never focused on his family. He was always in his phone. And he was always talking shit and bashing people online. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be that. And that's what a lot of society is today. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good message. Uh, <clears throat> and the more pe it, it's it's interesting we all think that uh, it's easy, as broad a society is, as big as some of our problems are, to think that they're unsolvable. Um, and the truth is, the reality is, is you as an individual, you're not going to solve hunger, right? Like you, you, no. as, you as a single person aren't going to solve hunger, but you can look at a hungry person and solve that motherfucker's hunger right now. And if, yeah. enough, if enough people do that, then, you know, things do begin to change. So I appreciate that message, and I'm glad you're out there delivering it to uh to people and especially to children um before we get out of here let everybody know where they can find you on social media so they can check out your art check out your charitable stuff so you can go either to my website which is mihadis.com m-i-j-a-r-e-s.com and then my social media everything is at mihadis which is at m-i-j-a-r-e-s.com so on facebook instagram instagram is my main platform that's where i do everything from there and that's where talk about shows and philanthropy and everything that I'm doing. Cool, man. Well, look, uh, really appreciate you coming today. It's been a great conversation. 
No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. I like what you guys are doing. Yeah, man. We'll do it again sometime soon. And uh, thank you all for watching. This has been Citizen.